As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed getting you ready for Raiders Dolphins on Saturday night. Obviously, not exactly the matchup the NFL thought they were giving us when they put this one in the primetime spot on the Saturday night right after Christmas. The Raiders basically with a less than 1% chance at this point of making the playoffs we can essentially write them off unless they win their final two games and get the Ravens, Titans, and Dolphins to all lose their final two. Not likely, especially when you see that the Ravens have the Giants and the Bengals remaining on their schedule. So we will start the process of looking ahead, but we will take a look a little bit at this game. The news coming out this week is that Derek Carr does sound like he is fairly likely to give it a go. I know, Vic, you were the first one reported, and Derek Carr talked on Tuesday. He's going to push to play. You know, we'll see what exactly what decision gets made, but we know when he wants to play, he usually does get his way. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I don't, you mentioned he wants to play. He's going to push for it. And I remember back in 2017, because of similar deal, he wanted to play and push for it. They wanted to play, and that was Jack Dorio was the coach then. They wanted to play E.J. Manuel one week, and Derek was back in the next week. So I still wouldn't be surprised if Mariota plays on on Saturday night, but I think it'll be a tough call for, for John Gruden to make, knowing how badly Derek wants to play. Yeah, this is going to be a difficult week for him to play injured because the Dolphins are such an aggressive defense when it comes to blitzing that you know, you're know you going to have to move around a little bit. But, I mean, it does help that Derek is very in tune with protection and making the right calls at the line of scrimmage. This defense, they blitz a ton, so I can't imagine that he'll be out there unless he can move fairly well. Yeah, he definitely deserves credit for trying to push and play through it, but I'm not sure if it's the the best decision for the team overall at this point. You know, I mean, I, they technically aren't eliminated from the playoffs yet, but it's pretty much a formality at this point. So I don't think risking, you know, you know, knock on wood, if he was to suffer a, a torn groin or worsen the injury or hurt something else somehow as a result of this injury and potentially affect him, you know, going into the offseason and next season, I don't think the payoff would be worth 
potentially winning one or two meaningless games, essentially. So it's a bit of a, a risk I, I don't think I would take, you know, especially if he isn't 100% by Saturday. But, you know, as we've said, typically when he wants to play, they, they let him go ahead and do it. You know, and it's one of those things where it's easy for us to sit here and say they shouldn't play him, hold him out, protect him. The game doesn't matter. We want to see Marcus Mariota. He was interesting to watch in the game against the Chargers. You know, we want to see what he can do in a couple more games under Gruden's offense. You know, that's just not how the NFL works. I mean, the NFL generally works that if the if the starting quarterback is healthy and is pushing to play, he does. But we'll see. I mean, it it was interesting to, to watch Mariota. And, and I know, as Derek Carr pointed out, you know, the Chargers weren't exactly prepared for him, hadn't scouted him. And and uh, that certainly is part of what we saw there against the Chargers. But um, he did look really good. And I know, Ted, you said after going back and watching the film, uh, you were even more impressed with him. Yeah, he didn't just make plays off script. And the zone read was definitely a big part of the game. But he also made a lot of good anticipation throws from within a pocket that were pretty impressive. I am curious to see how he would play against a defense that has time to game plan for him, and especially a, a defense that's really tough on a quarterback from a mental perspective like the Dolphins. So I would not be opposed to letting Mariota play one more game and letting Carr heal up. I will say having it up in the air for a few days is good for the Dolphins not going to spend some time in meetings and in practice on both quarterbacks. So definitely a competitive advantage to the Raiders to not have a clear-cut starter here on Tuesday. Looking at some of the good news coming out uh, for the Raiders is Malik Collins, who, uh, you know, hey, we we were really hard on how basically he was not visible <laughs> the whole part of the season that he played. I was wondering how you're going to word that. We're really tough on how we never noticed him in the games. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. But, I mean, you know, we have talked about maybe we gained a little bit more of an appreciation for him when he was gone. I don't know. We'll see. But they do have him back off of IR, and Gruden is hopeful to see him play on Saturday. He's also hopeful to, to maybe get Tack McKinley out there. But, I mean, for Malik Collins, it's a pretty big final two games, right? I mean, he signed a one-year deal. And that's one of the things that when they were touting how great of a signing, how impactful he was going to be for this defense, I always kind of wonder, like, well, if he's that great, why did you give him a one-year deal, right? So for him, two games left before he goes back out into free agency, and uh, he's got to prove himself. Yeah, I agree with that. I think definitely it's a big week for him. Other guys like uh, we mentioned, uh, Tack McKinley, Vic Beasley, guys who need to put some good fi- good play on film here in the last two weeks if they want to get a job somewhere next year. Yeah, I think it could also be a, a big last couple of weeks for Carl Nassib, too. You know, I know he still has you know guaranteed money on his contract past this season, but he's been a, a pretty big disappointment this year. and He's been inactive, a healthy scratch for games, and he didn't practice today, and it wasn't an injury-related situation. And so... I think he's right alongside Malik Collins as guys that there's some pressure to, you know, show something these last two weeks or the Raiders might try to find a way to, to get out of it. As much as we ripped on Malik Collins, I mean, the Carl Nassib for the money that they gave him, I guess that's why, you know, when you say, why didn't they sign Malik Collins to a two-year deal? That's that's, good. that's maybe why Carl Nassib is, is good evidence of maybe you got to see this guy in your defense a little bit and see what he can do. And, and Nassib did get the, the multi-year deal. He does have guaranteed dollars. And uh, the Raiders at this point wish he didn't going into next year. But um, let's not harp on uh, the guys who haven't produced. Let's look ahead at these next two games and let's all pick one thing that we want to see. I mean, obviously, in a dream world for the Raiders and their fans... 
Although I know most of them have, have moved on to the draft and all that. But in a dream world, okay, there's that less than 1% chance to make the playoffs. But we're not looking at that. What do you guys want to see out of the final two games? What's one thing that you want to see them accomplish that uh, that can have you you know, feeling at least good about one area, one direction of this team going into the offseason? I talked to some people around the league that thought Paul Gunther was asking too much of their players just from a call perspective, having way too many, too many things they have to do. And, you know, Will Compton, former Raider linebacker, had a podcast that's the same thing to say they had like 30 calls on third down. So I want to see Marinelli talked about simplifying the defense. So I want to see how some of these players that have underperformed, I want to see them play better when things are simplified for them. We'll see if it actually works or maybe these guys just are bad and it doesn't matter how little is in the game plan or how if there's a lot in game plan. I think I want to see a impact game from the, the linebacker position overall, specifically on the defense, that's the position group where they're pretty much locked into the guys that they have and then Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski. Nick Kwiatkowski has had, has had a better season in Littleton, of course, and he's had a, a couple standout games, but I don't think we've seen a game where they both were impact players at the same time. You know, like I said, considering both of those guys could be under contract moving forward, I think you know, if they can kind of turn a corner here in the last two games and then really stand out and make some plays that may, you know, make the team feel a little bit better about that linebacker position going into next season. Because I feel like they have room to shuffle things a little bit in the secondary with, you know, LaMarcus Joyner uh, contract no longer being guaranteed after the season and obviously up front with guys like Malik Collins and, and et cetera. So I think that's the one position in the defense where there probably won't be any major changes this offseason. And so, if they can show some growth there, that'd be a, a pretty strong start towards uh, you know turning around a defensive unit overall. I'll probably piggyback off that one a little bit. I would say when they signed Littleton, obviously everyone was excited about it, about how he can cover running backs, cover tight ends, he blanks plays sideline to sideline. And the thing that everyone always threw in was, and he also blocks punts, like he blocks five punts. So I'm going to set the ball. I'm, I'm not, forget about the linebacker play. I want to see a block punt. I want to see a Corey Littleton block punt in the next two weeks. They pay him for defense, not special teams. Hey, man, super special teams player. I'm going to go, uh, you know, and I know Ted mentioned this one when he, uh, he he broke down the four things that would make the final two weeks uh, successful for the Raiders. Henry Ruggs, let's see if they can get him back out there off the COVID list and and see a little bit more production out of him. But, you know, we kind of know what he can do. Hopefully they can build on his game. But, you know, Brian Edwards, we know after he got hurt early in the year, he basically, his role disappeared, and we haven't seen him. And part of that is Nelson Aguilar's emerge, and we know that Darren Waller's their number one target. But let's have a game where, you know, you go and target him five, six times and, and see what he can do and get him some more snaps, get him some opportunities. I mean, he was a guy that started in week one, all the hype in the preseason and, you know, in training camp. Let's see what he can do. Let's let's hopefully see if they can get rugs back out there and see what they have in these two rookies because you know, Aguilar, you know, he's not signed for next year. And you've got Ruggs and Edwards under rookie contracts for the next three seasons, at least. Got to see what you got there and then kind of make your decision on what you're going to do with Aguilar in the offseason. Anybody want to jump in with a second thing? Anybody else got uh, any other big things they want to see? I want to see Jonathan Abram have a game where he doesn't make one devastatingly boneheaded <laughs> play. <laughs> kind of still my... Uh... My linebacker one and kind of apply it to the defensive end position. I think outside of probably the first Chiefs game is, is the one that comes to mind when both Max Crosby and Cleve Pharrell and then 
you know, also when when Klee had had a couple of strip sacks against the, the Jets, it's probably the other one. But seeing both of those guys kind of click at the same time too, Max Crosby and, and Klee Farrell, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of you know wicker room there at the the defensive end position. Maybe they bring in a free agent or draft somebody that, that potentially becomes a starter, and, and maybe both of those guys aren't long term starters. But you know, the pass rush has been an issue all season long. Um, they had a couple of games where it popped up, but for most of the season, it's been mostly ineffective. And so I think for those two, you kind of want to see them both, now that they're both healthy with Pharrell coming back from COVID and, and the shoulder injury, uh, if he's able to come back this week, you know, if, if both of those guys are able to click these last two weeks, I think that'd be a, a pretty positive deal for their their defensive front. So I'm really, I guess I'm focused on the defensive front seven more so than anything in, in the last two games. All right, then I'll take the secondary as my uh, second one. Uh, give me two interceptions over the last two games. I know uh, Tua hasn't uh, ha- hasn't thrown a lot of picks. He went with the first five or so starts without throwing one. He has thrown one each of the last two weeks against the, the Chiefs and Patriots. But uh, if you get one this week, and I mean, <laughs> you get the Broncos and Drew Locke in week 17. So that is a big opportunity to, uh, to add to the interception total. So at least two more interceptions over the final two weeks. Let's see the secondary find a way to get a little bit greedy and uh, get their hands on the ball. Since you took Edwards, so I'll have a second one. I want to see them uh, win a game. That's what I want to see. I want to see them win one of these last two. I think, as of right now, my my, feel, my feeling is they're kind of dead in the water. So I'll be I'll be surprised if they win one of these last two. So that would be something that shows that John hasn't totally lost these guys as far as this year goes. I know he hasn't lost them total overall, but in terms of this year and what he can do this year, I would like to see a win. Will he declare we're not losers anymore? No, I think he'll just talk about the co- the, co- the injuries <laughs> and the COVID. I think will be what he talks about. Uh, you know, the other part of the good news is two first-time Pro Bowlers. Obviously, there will not be a Pro Bowl game this year, so Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller will not have the traditional Pro Bowl experience, which, I mean, the game is obviously nothing very exciting. But, you know, the week hanging out with all the players uh, usually is is fairly fun. So uh, they won't have that. But Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller both made the Pro Bowl. I know Derek Carr was very upset that Rodney Hudson, who never really seems to get quite enough Pro Bowl respect uh, as he should, Carr was upset he didn't make it. And, and certainly he's a guy that's deserving just about every year. But Waller and Jacobs, uh, nice for the, those two foundational offensive pieces to get their due. Yeah, I mean, I know I've made the argument that you know, Waller's a top two tight end, but at worst, he's a, a top three tight end. I think he's shown that with the way he's played this season. I think the last few weeks, he's really ramped it up early on. You know, he was kind of limited with the yardage. The catches were there, but he wasn't gaining that much yardage. And in the last three weeks, he's really kind of taken off in that area. And then Jacobs, you know, he's been beat up this season. Again, you know, it's the second straight season dealing with these sort of lower body and upper and, and upper body injuries. He's having injuries all over, really. But when he is out there and healthy, you know, he, he's shown that he's one of the better running backs of the league. And, you know, he's among the league leaders in terms of rushing yards or rushing touchdowns. Uh, and that's come, you know, I think both for both of those players, you know, they've been able to find success despite the offense having an offensive line that's, you know, been makeshift pretty much the whole season with the injuries of Trent Brown and Richie Incognito and, and elsewhere. And so... You know, it's been a disappointing year for the Raiders overall, but those two guys were definitely two of the the biggest highlights, and and we see them being rewarded here. Two guys I think that are close to being pro bowlers are Colton Miller and Alec Ingold. I think Miller has had a really, really good season, and just looking at the list of the the tackles that made the AFC team, Tunsil, Eric Fisher, and Orlando Brown, I think you can make an argument that Miller could go above Fisher or Brown. Fisher has really struggled in some games, Brown's a really good run blocker, but you know there's times when he's he struggled against some good pass rushers. So 
Uh, I think Miller's really close, and Picard's a really good fullback, so I'm not going to argue against him. I think Ingold is, is starting to get there, especially if he is producing in the, the passing game like he, he did when he was healthy. I was going to say the Raiders have lost, what, four to five? And they're, I think the O-line has been kind of one of the issues. They haven't really gotten a push in the running game or been that great overall. So I, I don't have as much of a problem with Rodney Hudson getting snubbed as most people do. I think Rodney Hudson is obviously a top guy, but maybe this is the year he shouldn't go. Maybe Colton Miller, like you said, is a little ways off. But I don't have a big problem with uh, Rodney Hudson not making it. I know that's going to be a hot take, but I think it's, uh, I think it's all right. Yeah, I think uh, I think Hudson's the biggest snub for sure for me. I kind of agree with Cara. Like, I think I think he's been consistent. And I, I haven't. I know the offensive line has struggled on the interior uh, recently, but I don't think that's been necessarily a result of him. So I think just overall for the season, I, I think he should have should have probably made it in there too. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right. Well, let's take some questions here, and uh, we will uh, start with this one from Philip C. Let's talk excuses. All teams are playing 2020 under the same circumstances. I don't pay attention to other teams much, but do you get a sense that the Raiders got hit harder than others by injury and COVID situations, or is that getting overblown? I mean, I'll start by saying, without knowing every team scenario, just here in the Bay Area, you know, seeing what's happened with the 49ers and injuries and and COVID. I, I, they haven't had as much as many COVID cases, I don't think, as the Raiders, although they did have that one game where they basically had to play without most of their wide receivers. But injuries, they've definitely been hit harder by injuries than the Raiders. For you guys, I mean, any, any other teams around the league? I mean, it's been a tough year for a lot of teams. Yeah, the Ravens have had more guys on the the reserve COVID list this season by, by a good amount. I think they have like 30-something and, and the Raiders are in the 20s. So from that standpoint, they're among the, the worst teams in the league, but that's also because they've had multiple violations and they've been fined over a million dollars and lost a draft pick as a result of that. So they aren't, it wasn't like, you know, those cases just magically happened. Some uh, failures there on their on their end. And with the injuries, you know, they, they sort of throughout the entire season, they kind of had the little injuries here and there outside of, 
you know, Tyrell Williams and Richie Incognito, they haven't really had guys that were lost for the entire season due to injuries. Obviously, those are, are two, you know, important players and, and pieces of the offense, but the offense is, hasn't been the issue. It's been the defense. It definitely plays a factor. Like, it's, you know, I'm sure maybe it cost them a win or two in the grand scheme of things. But as you say, you know, there's everybody else in the league has to, has to deal with COVID-19. And just because they did a worse job at containing it than other teams doesn't mean they get to use it as an excuse. And then with the injuries, I mean, it's football. Yeah, injuries happen every year. We have a database on our, our website of all the teams, the number of times players have been on the COVID list. I think the Raiders are definitely top three or four. So definitely, but again, like Deshaun's saying, I mean, whose fault is that? I mean, obviously, like Seattle has done a great job. They've had a very low number, so they probably – deserve some credit for that. So I just think that my, my problem with the excuses, and again, and again, there are definitely some legitimate ones, but I think when you keep bringing it up, I can give your players a kind of a reason to believe that maybe it's just not going to happen. Or give, you give your reasons, players a reason to kind of excuse their losses. So I think that you could just take these losses and kind of move on without keep bringing it up all the time to kind of validate why you're not doing as well as you thought you should. Because obviously all these teams have a lot of players. I mean, you got guys off your bench, you should be able to come in and make plays. In the Raiders' case, they don't really have those guys. The guys off their bench are getting killed like uh, Keyshawn Nixon did in that one game uh, recently. So I just think that the bench has kind of failed them. That's probably on the players and on the front office and on the coaching staff. So I think um, I'm not really one for the excuses. The thing is, the offense has been able to do a pretty good job of overcoming a lot of these injuries. Like, you know, the offensive line has been reshuffled throughout the season. Marcus Mariota came in in a pinch and played pretty well. But, you know, as far as the defense, that's where the the COVID list and injuries have greatly impacted them. And uh, like I said, COVID is not really an excuse because, you know, it, some teams have done better than others. And, you know, there's clear examples of the Raiders breaking protocol. But they just either haven't been able to coach up the depth. Their scouting, as far as defensive players, has been pretty terrible because they can't overcome any injuries to the defensive side. And every time they, they had an injury, it seems like it's gotten exposed by the other team. I don't know if the coaching is just that much worse on a defensive side of the ball than than the offensive side. But even though Gruden has complained a lot about the injuries, offensively, they've been able to get over it. Defensively, it couldn't. All right, that leads into a good question here from Tim O. He says, Miami has been pretty successful defensively without a lot of big stars. Anyone on their staff a potential defensive coordinator candidate for the Raiders? You know, I don't know. Their defensive coordinator is Josh Boyer. Obviously, it's you're not really going to be able to hire away somebody's defensive coordinator. Not going to take a lateral job. Defensive backs coach or linebackers coach is Anthony Campanile, formerly a linebackers coach at Michigan. Uh, I don't know. Not not a whole lot of NFL experience. I, I don't know. It, it. I mean, it's not a bad idea to kind of look at a to look at a team that's played maybe better than expected and uh, and wonder if if they might be uh, if somebody might be an option there. Uh, we all know that a lot of the ways that these coaching hires happen is guys go into their uh, in, into their playbook of, of coaches they've coached with before, and uh, they they tend to they tend to like to hire guys that they're familiar with. I was going to say, when John, when he was hired, he mentioned he had a list of guys who had kept over the years, and he was in the broadcasting booth of guys he'd want on his staff if he got back into it someday. And I'm sure that list is pretty deep. I'm sure the other guys on that list besides, you know, Paul Gunther and Rod Marinelli. So I still think Rod's got a, a good shot at it. If not, maybe a guy like Gus Bradley has some some Gruden ties. But um, I don't know if it's going to be that wide open a search. thing. Like you, like you said, it'll probably be on a short list of guys that John knows pr- pretty well from over the years. 
I think the Dolphins have a pretty good defensive roster. I mean, they might have one of the top cornerback combos in the league with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, who might be in a running for defensive player of the year. They have Kyle Van Noy. That type of defense is built around the cornerbacks. If you don't have, because it's a cover zero blitz type of defense. And if you don't have the corners to cover, uh, you end up like Greg Williams. So I don't know if you could run that system with the Raiders unless you have some proven corners. Gruden was really quick to point out when talking about the Dolphins defense uh, that they're them being able to sign Byron Jones. Obviously, he was the guy that, that the uh, at the Raiders were after in free agency and didn't get. So uh, you, you could tell that he's still uh, stinging a little bit over not being able to get Jones in here. Yeah, that was a big one. That's definitely, I think, uh, even Gunther, when he was here, I look back on that one as a, as a big moment in the offseason. That was a guy that I think everybody really wanted. And I, I'm not sure, like, uh, I think Corey Littleton was uh, the next guy up. I'm not, I think it was a pretty big drop-off on, the, on their wish list from, uh, from Jones to, to Littleton. All right, last question here before we get into our predictions. Do Gruden and Mayock recognize the personnel mistakes they've been making in the draft and free agency? Should we have confidence that they'll remedy those mistakes and draft better and sign better players? I would sure hope that they have uh, realized that some of these signings have not worked out. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to come out in the press conference and just shit on the guys, you know, talking to the media. So, I mean, but I'm sure they, they recognize, you know, that their failures and you know they've they've shown when they when it's financially possible they they've moved on from guys that they felt like were miscues whether it was you know PJ Hall or Lynn Bowden or whoever it may be and maybe we'll see some more of that this off season um, depending on on some of the guys that they have that they they can cut or trade potentially and so you know but they have had a lot of when they, at least in free agency they've had a pretty high miss rate and so I think there's there's a good amount of reason to be concerned with, you know, can they correct that just because they haven't shown you that they can do a good job of it so far. But I think the the draft, I mean, it's been a pretty mixed bag. So I think there's you can nitpick about, you know, some of the picks, but they've also had some good success in the draft. And so I don't think I'd be too panicky about that aspect of it, you know, especially when it looked like they're going to get another mid-round pick. They tend to do well in that slot. And so free agency-wise, you know, especially since they're going to have you know, a good amount of money this offseason. I'd, I'd probably be a little bit nervous if I was a fan about, you know, all right, where are you going to spend this on given they haven't done a good job of that so far. But I think on the draft piece, I, I would be confident in, in what they're doing. You mentioned Lynn Bowden, uh, 17 catches over the last uh, three games for the Dolphins. Not a ton of yards on those catches, but uh, hey, they get to see him this week. I think they've drafted better defensively with Mayock in the fold than they, they did before, for sure. I mean, I mean, you know, Farrell is not worth a, f- a fourth pick, but he's turned out to be a pretty good player. And I still think Trayvon Mullen could be a really good number two corner. I, I think he just had one really b- bad game against the Chargers. Max Crosby has some value, you know, if at least as a situational rusher. And Damon Arnett has, has flashed too. So we see how these guys play with a simpler defense and maybe a, a better defensive coordinator. Yeah, like you said, I think there's some hope with how they, they're drafting defensive players, but the free agents have definitely been uh, pretty bad misses. So if they've been better drafting defensively under Mayak, I mean, the, the bar was pretty low, but I mean, they've got to find a way to add, whether it's through the draft, through free agency is tough because impact defensive players, you know, teams don't often let those guys get to free agency. You know, there's maybe a couple or every year, but they've got to find a way um, to get somebody on defense that can change a game. And I don't think they have one of those guys right now, but 
We'll see what they can do in the offseason. But let's uh before we get out of here, we do have to uh we do have to make our picks. Raiders, Dolphins, Saturday night, prime time. What do you guys got in this one? The Dolphins are gonna win. I'm pretty pretty confident about it. I just I just think especially with the defense, um the secondary has been sh- shorthanded as of late, but now they have a few guys on on the COVID nineteen list. I just I just don't think that the offense can overcome this defense with how bad they're playing or, or that the defense will have a miraculous turnaround the last two weeks. So I think the Dolphins get him this week. Yeah, I think the, the Dolphins' two weaknesses are run defense and the fact that their offense just isn't very good, but the Raiders have not been able to run the ball well as of recently. And the defense is probably going to make their offense look like um, they're the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm going to have to go with the Dolphins on this one. I got the Dolphins, too. I'll say uh, 28-21 Dolphins. It just feels like the Raiders are in this position where they're just kind of playing out the string. I mean, I don't think the players are giving up on are going to go out there and just go through the motions or anything, but just uh feels a lot like last year where once things uh, fell apart, and obviously we saw them fall apart in that Falcons game, I don't really know that they uh, can, can kind of get it back on track. Man, so I got to pick the Raiders now because you guys all picked the Dolphins? Oh. Remember that one guy who was charting our, our, our IQ points with our picks? I need, I need some IQ points. I need, I need, a, I need a win here. Um, I still can't pick it. I still can't go with the Raiders. <laughs> I think I, I want to. I should probably do it. But I do think they are kind of dead in the water. I think no matter who plays a quarterback uh, on Saturday, it probably won't be. I think the Dolphins are more talented, uh, better coached. So I'll go with the Dolphins 33-24. Uh, to uh, 24. All right, guys. Well, we'll see what happens in the final home game of this weird season. Um, uh, you know, I feel bad. You know, our, our guy that, that had us uh, declare them in the playoffs after that three-game winning streak, we uh, we put him in the playoffs. It was probably our fault. It was probably his fault. We should all, That's his fault. I think we should 100%. all just blame him. You know, he he put it out there. We, we went with it. So uh, blame him. And uh, we'll see what the Raiders can do on Saturday night against the Miami Dolphins. If they lose Saturday, they're going to be, what, 2-6 and six at home? That's pretty amazing. Hey, that's why Mark Davis didn't let any fans in this year. Yeah, I think uh, Josh DeBow tweeted out, like, I think home teams have a losing record this year. So, like, I mean, with no fans out there, I don't know how much. I, I get you travel and all that, but I don't know how much home field really matters this year, honestly. You got the Al Davis torch, though. You got to be 2-6. I mean, 2-6 I mean, is not good. That's why this year doesn't count. Next year is going to be the inaugural season at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, I'm waiting to come out to Vegas until next season once there are actually fans in the stands for a game. So I'll make it out there some point next season. It's a mulligan. It's a mulligan season. doesn't count. Mulligan season. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you on Saturday night after the Raiders take on the Miami Dolphins. Hasta la vista. Vaya con Dios. Arrivederci. I think there's a little bit of a warm sensation on his bum right now, probably, I think. 